before we start the show, Steve, I think you have, you wanted to say some words. Uh, yes. Uh, tonight's show, we're obviously going to be discussing many of the allegations that have rocked our community. This will include uh, discussions that may involve rape, sexual assault, sexual harassment. Um, if these topics are uncomfortable, you might want to skip tonight's show. Uh, for the rest of you, we hope uh, we can provide an informative uh, space to kind of figure out where we are and where we go from here. With that said, you're watching Best of Five. I should turn the volume on that down for next time. Because <laughs> that's really loud in my ears. Uh, but yeah, hi everybody. I almost feel like I shouldn't put on the usual happy... Hello, welcome to Best of Five. Before we start, I did promise we were going to say thank you. So thank you to Blue for 21 months of subscriptions and to the Digital Sword for 14 months of subscription. Thank you so much, guys. We truly, truly do appreciate you guys hanging in with us. Um, shit, where do we begin? <laughs> Steve. Where do we begin? <laughs> it's been a week, man. It's uh, like I was saying in the countdown. Remember last week when we were talking about, like, a guy who said something incredibly racist on Facebook and we just kind of forgot about it for three years and then it came back? Remember when we were dealing with that? Those are the good old days. That is small potatoes compared to the fuck happened this past week. Yep. Well, obviously, it didn't happen this past week. It's happened for years leading up to... Sort of, I don't even know. It's been, ah. Yeah. Uh, so for anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, two weeks ago, or halfway through two weeks ago, uh, there was a big movement in the game industry in general of uh, women coming forward with some horrific stories of sexual abuse, sexual assault, sexual harassment. Uh, and that movement then shifted over to the streaming space uh so a bunch of uh so first of all a bunch of like higher ups in the gaming industry uh were revealed to be shitty people uh to women uh that then switched over to uh that then like it bled onto the streaming space so a bunch of top streamers who most of which got banned from twitch uh uh then had some revelations about them uh and that finally then moved over to the FGC, where uh, we started seeing a lot of uh, stories of sexual harassment, uh, sexual abuse, sexual assault, and even uh, pedophilia. And that's been kind of the, that's been where we're at. And this is all like this has all come to light on this community that we love so much. And it's uh, it's hard to it's hard to see happen. It's tough, but uh, a few positive things. First, uh, I want to commend uh, the women who have come forward. Well, actually, the women and the men who have come forward with these stories because this shit is not fucking easy. And I really admire the bravery and the uh, the stoicism with with all of this that has been said. Uh, I think I think that's a great uh, thing, and I really admire these people who have come forward with these stories because that's absolutely not fucking easy and I don't wish that on anyone. Uh, secondly, 
this is a very good positive because this is one of those moments where we get to uh, remove some of the shitty people that have been plaguing our scene with this stuff. Um, I want to... I think I, I want to take some fault and I want to take some... I want to say something to get this off my chest. Uh, I remember hearing the story of the Evo party. I think it was either 2018 or 2019. And I remember saying, wow, this is terrible. But then I forgot about it, right? And that's shitty on me. And I know a lot of us have done the same. Especially, I think... Well, I'll, You know what? I'll, I'll get to that other part later. Uh, but, you know... It's... Yeah. I hope we can do better both as a community. I plan on doing better as a single human being in trying to advocate for this a little bit better in the future so that we don't have to go through a giant reckoning like this again. I think I, I don't even know where to begin. Honestly, I'm thinking maybe we should just do the recap. Mm -hmm. So we have some sort of normalcy to this week's show. Sure. Um, gotcha. All right. We're good. So hit us up with that recap. So this week, uh, the Capcom Pro Tour continued, uh, made its first trip into South America with the South America online event, the first of two for this year. Uh, Brazil came in strong, had six representatives in the top eight, but it was a Peruvian uh, who ended up on top at the end of the day. A familiar name, if you've been following Street Fighter for a while, Picaro. Uh, who qualified for Capcom Cup in 2018 is set to make a return trip, return trip, excuse me, and qualify. Uh, Jalexe and Nabraka rounding out the top four. You also see familiar names like uh, Dark and Mysterio, who've been consistently uh, top placers in these online events, as well as Didi Mokoff uh, and Paula Webb, some of the familiar big hitters. Uh, but once again, Piccolo winning the day. He is headed to Capcom Cup. Fingers crossed on that. Uh, we were also supposed to uh, have some results from the first week of Evo Online. Unfortunately, uh, that got canceled for reasons we will discuss a little later in the show. Okay. I just restarted everything as far as my mixer goes while Steve was doing that. So hopefully that's better. Um, do you want to just dive into the Evo stuff now? Let's just do it. Rip it off like a Band-Aid. Uh, I, don't, I think we should probably do the Smash stuff first because that was sort of what started it all. Okay. Um, so, like, a, like uh, Elon was saying, the gaming industry as a whole has been going through uh, sort of a movement, a, a, a too, an extension of the Me Too movement, I guess you could call it, uh, where people have come forward, both men and women, uh, with stories of harassment, of abuse. Uh, on what, this past Wednesday, uh, there have obviously been accusations within the, within the fighting game community and within the Smash community Uh but what happened Wednesday sort of felt like the one that blew every 
that blew up everything. Um, on Wednesday, a young Smash player named Puppy, or Puppy, excuse me, uh, came forward with a uh, statement that he had a sexual relationship with a female Smash player called uh, Sinpai, who has done uh, commentary for a bunch of events, including Evo, a very notable name. At the time of their relationship, Puppy was 14, Sinpai was 24. Um, This obviously rocked the Smash scene. A couple other players came forward and said they had they had uh, suspicions of this, uh, but they couldn't quite prove anything. Person after person after person came forward with allegations about other Smash players, about other uh, people within the scene. Uh, Anti had several women claim that that he had assaulted her, assaulted them. Excuse me, Nairo. Uh, Captain Zack, if you'll remember, uh, claimed that he had a sexual relationship with uh, top player Nairo when Nairo was about 20 and Zack was 15. Uh, Zero. Uh, One of the greatest, uh, for a while, the greatest Smash player in the world, um, had several women come forward as young as 14, and say that he pursued uh, relationships with them, uh, attempted to get nude pictures from them. Uh, so this has, and, and it keeps going it, on and on. There, If you go to the Smash Brothers uh, subreddit, there is a list that is being maintained showing, listing off several of the allegations. Again, these are allegations. Um, some have been uh, accepted. Some have been uh, pushed back upon. Some have had no response. Uh, but there's a list of them. There are the list of responses. It is heartbreaking to go through. It is absolutely heartbreaking to see how many people have had um, such bad experiences within the uh, community for for a game that people love, you know, this is supposed to come to bring people together and to have them go through this sort of shit is just, it breaks my, it breaks my fucking heart. So, uh, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, it's tough, right? And man, you, my my first instinct is to, is to try to find the logic uh, in behind all of this, but that's been driving me very much insane. Uh, and you know, it's it's one of those things where, like, you know, I I honestly don't know. I don't think I have words uh, to be completely honest. Um, By the way, I just threw the link in the mm-hmm. chat for um, that list. It is incredibly long. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think I have words to... Because, like, look. I was... I, so I was having a conversation with Efren uh, earlier this week. I think it might have been yesterday. And 
you know, I think one of the things I had said in that conversation was that since the and I'm, by the way, I should preface this by saying that now that I'm thinking more about it, I think I'm completely wrong. Uh, but I think since the Smash community seems to be younger, and granted, no, I think the FGC in general, the FGC in general seems to be like a younger crowd. Uh, a lot of behavior goes unchecked. And especially when we start putting people in the public eye and we start putting people on a pedestal. Uh, and I'm again, I'm not talking about the... Uh, the smash scene i'm talking about the fgc in general once we start putting people on a general or on a pedestal i think a lot of behavior goes unchecked and you know yeah putting people on the pedestal it's one of those things where it's like they'll do something bad but oh because they're a great player for x y and z uh maybe we should keep this under wraps or whatever but that's absolutely not how things should be going. Uh, and I, man, the only thing I can really think about is how do we prevent this in the future? How do we prevent this from ever happening again? How do we make the FGC, which includes Smash in this statement, and I think it should in every statement, how do we make the FGC a place that's safe? Because right now, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's a very safe place. And it kind of hasn't for a subset of people, mostly women, for a long time. There are so many components going on here. Um, We've seen statements from various venues, various tournament series about creating new rules for once, once offline events come back, creating new rules to help sort of curb this sort of thing. Uh, A common one is uh, I know a couple of places are now going to require players under either 15 or 16, depending on the venue, from attending without a parent or guardian with them. Um, I also know that a lot of ven- venues are banning alcohol from the from the game floor. Those sorts of things are good steps to take in a situation like this. But what we're seeing oftentimes, this stuff isn't necessarily happening on the tournament floor. It's happening at people's houses. It's happening at, you know, in the hotel rooms where they don't really have a whole bunch of control. They're not going to go knocking on doors and say, hey, you're not drinking, are you? Mm-hmm. There, There's only so much you can do, you know, in, in terms of rules. The rest of it is a culture change. It's about, you know, what we, because we all share this common interest in fighting games, whether it's Smash, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, what have you, we all sort of bond around that. And because you know we're we're similar in skill, we 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 all play the same game. We're not divided by age. You know, we tend to think of each other as peers across the board. Basically, like you could put me, who is thirty six next to someone like King Ray Jr., who I think is like 12. And, you know, we're, we're, we're just hanging out, talking Tekken, because, you know, that that's what we do. But part of our brain doesn't realize, oh, this is still a 12-year-old person. This is still a 15-year-old person. This is still a kid. The conversations I have with my other friends, who are of my age, I shouldn't necessarily be having with these people. 
the conversations I, the things I talk about with my other group of friends, I shouldn't necessarily be having with these people. That's not something you can get rid of with a rule change. That's not something you can get rid of with someone creating a code of contact. That is something that has to change from a community level, uh, from a mindset level in each of us. So that's not going to be an easy step. Right. But with that said, though, as a community, as a whole, I think this is where we all can step in, right? Not necessarily, and it's not necessarily up to the TOs, just the TOs. Uh, but I think I saw in the chat that uh, as far as like some subsects of the Smash community, like they have started putting up hotlines so that if something like this happens, they have someone to talk to. Uh, I think, yeah, we we have to find a, I mean, it, it's hard to say, right? Because part of me thinks, hey, we as a community should get together and figure something out. Another part of me thinks, hey, I just want to come in to a tournament and play video games and I don't want to be responsible for anything because I'm not doing anything bad. That's a that's kind of a shitty view, but part of me really does think that way just because I'm a very independent person where, you know, I I do shit that reflects on me and that's it. And I, I know a lot of people just want to play games. The thing is, everybody just wants to play games, but we have to do things like this to make sure that everyone can just play games and not have to worry about, you know, is this person going to try something? Is this person going to, you know... If I have a drink, is someone going to try and take advantage of me? Mm-hmm. You know, um, you talked about hotlines. I know several conventions have had things like that where you can text someone or call a number. Um, there are some tournaments that have a, a sort of like a safe space room if you need to get away. I remember Combo Breaker had that for a cosplayer a couple years back. Uh, and I think a couple other people took advantage of that. Um, those are good steps as well. But like I'm saying, a lot of this is going to have to come – a lot of this is going to have to change at a community level, at a uh, mentality level. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and, and I, I think, don't know – Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Ultra Go David ahead. just put it perfectly uh, in why I'm wrong to think that way. It's many people who have not been able to just play games, and that's the issue. I uh, just wanted to point that out. Go on. I'm sorry. And the other issue is – a lot of this comes down to protecting friends. You know, so many players have bonded over the over games, uh, whether it's in the Smash community or in the FGC. When they're seeing something bad happen, they're not necessarily looking to blast it all over the internet because, hey, this is my friend. You know, a lot of this is what we're seeing in the allegations coming out of the so-called Sky House, where uh, Sky Williams had rented various uh, players' rooms over multiple houses over the last few years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Several of the things that have been talked about in these allegations this past week happened there. Um, He knew about at least some of those things. uh, And did not take action to stop it, or at least did not take sufficient action to stop it. Excuse me. It's it's tough to 
call out a friend in a situation like this, especially when so many people are afraid of, if I say something, this person's going to get canceled. You know, the whole internet's going to come down on them. Mm-hmm. That part sucks, but you have to keep in mind that what's happening to the other person is is worse right. than that. You know, you, you might want to take you might want to protect your friend from having everyone, you know, shit on them online. But on the other hand, is that worth protecting someone who's or leaving a rape, uh, rape victim to not be protected? Mm-hmm. No, it's not. Yeah. And it, it's just so uh, there's and there's. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just yeah, it's, frustrating it, to talk about. Yeah, that. it's frustrating, right? I think actually, uh, so I think King Hippo summed up your point very well on the chat, saying uh, staying silent in the interest of the community health means others are at risk. I think that's exactly where you were hitting at. Where how I think if mm, so, I yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I I don't think I have <laughs> I don't think I have words. I uh, wonder you know I the the other part of this is you know obviously there's a human side to mm-hmm. everything that's been happening. And that is far more important than the hobby. What we do is a hobby. It's a fun hobby. We love the hobby, but it's a hobby. Excuse me. But there is a business side to this. There is the idea that some of these people haven't come forward because they were afraid of, you know, if if Zero goes down, then that's a bad look for the entire Smash community. And maybe, maybe people don't want that attention on the Smash community. Maybe people don't want, they fear the loss of business opportunities. They fear the loss of potential sponsorship because so many players have have lost sponsorships these past few days. So you have to wonder, does that play into the question of, of silence over so much of this? Yeah. I I don't know. Uh, well, I know this. So I know for, well, actually before I get into anything, let me just take a pause because I, I haven't been able to find the good spot to do this, but I'm just going to take a pause before I go on. Uh, and I want to thank infinite spark for resubscribing thank you so much really appreciate you being here and uh joining the discussion uh but what i was getting at is uh in the past we know nintendo has kind of strayed away from the competitive smash scene right to the point where the creator of the game said this isn't meant to be competitive but uh the grassroots effort for the smash community has just made it grow uh to a ridiculous point to the point where this occurrence has even prompted a response from nintendo Right? Yeah. Where is it? Uh, IGN asked Nintendo for uh, comment on everything that's happened, and Nintendo came forward the other day, and they had this to say, uh, quote, At Nintendo, we are deeply disturbed by the allegations raised against certain members of the competitive gaming community. They are absolutely impermissible. We want to make it clear that we can... uh, excuse me, that we condemn all acts of violence, harassment, and exploitation against anyone. 
and that we stand with the victims, end quote. This brings up an interesting question. Do you think that everything that's happened, and again, this is not nearly as important of a topic as what's happening to the people within the community. But do you think this makes it less likely that Nintendo gets involved in some sort of way in competitive Smash? Or do you think it's more likely that they come in and take control so that they have the ability to control some of this to some degree? It depends. Is the effort of controlling a very small subsect worth anything over just getting rid of it? Right, I think so. First of all, no. Granted, that response, while quote unquote correct, did feel very PRE, did feel very uh, unattached, which is, I guess, what Nintendo is at this point with the competitive Smash community. Um, so there's there's a few options. The easy option is to basically prohibit any tournament from happening. Right. Nintendo doesn't need the competitive Smash scene. They don't care. Uh, what they One of their options is to say, hey, this is our property. And we've seen, and especially since they're like, they're like the Disney of video games. They're so worried about image and all this other stuff. They can basically say, hey, you running these tournaments, especially with this history, especially with this kind of stuff happening, it's damaging to our company. And we need you to stop this shit right now. Uh, the other option, much like you said, is to then start taking control over stuff. But what is the value in them doing that for them, right? Like they have had all these uh, invitationals like every once in a while just to show off a game. They've had like – are they running any esports, anything now? Well, they have the monthly open contests uh, online. And they'll occasionally give out, like, I remember one last year had a prize where you you got to compete at the big house if mm. you want. They'll, they'll, they'll pay your entry there. Um, they've also had invitational events, uh, like the one where Hungrybox called out Reggie, mm-hmm. if you remember that from a while ago. Yep. So it's not like they're doing a full online or a full circuit, like... Capcom is with the Capcom Cup or Bandai Namco with DBFC World Tour or uh, Tekken World Tour. But they sort of have Smash at sort of arm's length. Like, it's over here. You know, yeah, hey, nice. You know, you're good. We're, we're, we're cool, right? Yeah, keep, keep buying our stuff. We don't watch as the main thing people think of when, we, when they think of Smash. But you can be, you can be your own thing over here. Now the concern is, at least in my mind, I've talked to people who don't follow fighting games, who don't care about the FGC, who don't care about competitive Smash, and all they've talked about is, what the fuck is going on with Smash? You know, mm-hmm. Why are there so many abusers? Why are there so many uh, pedophiles in Smash? Mm-hmm. That reflects poorly on Nintendo, fairly or not, that reflects poorly on their game, fairly or not. Yep. So now, Nintendo just may say, screw you guys, Big House, you're done, Genesis, you're done. Any big Smash tournament 
that happens. It's going to be under our control. It's going to be on, under our rules. We're going to, we're going to like not have alcohol at the venue. We're going to have different age groups. So adults only compete against adults. Kids only compete against kids, that sort of thing. Nintendo just might do that. I, I don't know if it's necessarily on high on their priority list, but they absolutely could. And I think they might just to make sure that something like this doesn't happen and gets attached to their name ever again. Yeah. Yeah, there, I, a part of me thinks they're just going to put out cease and desist for any people streaming any tournaments or doing anything of that sort. That involves the FGC Smash community. That's that's my very pessimistic prediction, uh, especially with how they're uh, so they're so worried about their self image because they're a children's company. Uh, that's how they view themselves. So yeah, and you know, pedophilia is exactly like the number one worst thing that could ever. Like be tied to a company that markets for children, so because yeah. it's even, not like yeah, it's and, not uh, like sorry, go ahead. Us go ahead. talking, about, sorry, it's no, not ahead. like us talking about it is going to be what hurts Nintendo. It's about the the mom on Facebook, the dad on Facebook, who sort of reads about something happening to Smash, and they automatically make that connection between smashed the entire game and this news story as opposed to the competitive scene for smash mm-hmm. and the news story and that's what hurt that's what could hurt them more than anything from nintendo's point of view yeah and and there's a lot of people saying that these incidents are happening outside of tournaments yes but it still reflects badly on the community right because it's so ingrained into it, it's the the people who are watched on stream and are followed uh that represent the scene so having all this swirling around it it doesn't matter if it happens at a tournament or not it's still tied down to us at this point and that looks bad from any other point of view uh from everybody uh on the outside looking in right it's like what steve was saying people who don't follow the smash competitive scene are asking what's going on with smash it doesn't matter who what where when it's tied to the community everybody knows everybody knows that this is happening now so so it's it's rough man and you know uh there i i touched on this a little bit earlier uh but there have been a lot of times uh even like a couple years ago something was said about stuff like this and i'll 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 take some fault for this because it like i said earlier it happened where i heard something and thought hey that's very disturbing and shitty and then i have the privilege to you know forget about it uh so i think we need to be much more careful with the things that we hear and take things into account a lot better than we have been um i say we but really i mean me i hope that means we because i know i'm not the only person that heard something and said hey that's fucked up and then had the privilege to forget about it um one of those was actually a stream that watts did i think in 2018 or 2016 2018 it's been a couple years where watts said very plainly 
that Mr. Wizard would give young kids tokens to take off their shirts and go to the pool and jump in a pool. And exactly that same situation. I, I heard it. I was watching the stream. I heard it. And I thought, wow, that's kind of fucked up. And then I have the privilege to, you know, not think about it anymore. Uh, and now that this has become such a serious thing, I'm definitely regretting not thinking about it further and not trying to do anything. Um, but stuff like that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, stuff like that. That That's made the rounds uh, this past week because of the other big thing in the FGC mm-hmm. that we'll talk about in a second. But... Well, we, may, we might as well just get into that uh, wholeheartedly. Um, as part of everything that's happened, uh, on Wednesday, Mike Watson, uh, a.k.a. Watts, a.k.a. the owner of, former owner of Super Arcade, uh, went to, took to Twitter and said that someone would come forward with allegations against an OG member of the FGC and it would be big deal. It would be a big deal. Excuse me. Uh, Wednesday night, uh, crack did come forward. Um, and these were the allegations that, uh, Watson was talking about came forward with allegations against, uh, Joey Quaylar, AKA Mr. Wizard, the public face of Evo, one of the lead organizers, one of the co-owners of uh, Triple Perfect, the parent company of Evo, uh, alleged that back in uh, the Golfland days, Joey would do things like pay t- players or uh, offer tokens, like twenty bucks worth of tokens for to teenage boys, like fourteen, fifteen, in that range. Uh, to do stupid stuff in the pool. And, you know, there was a video that made the rounds on Twitter, which at first glance, it just looks like stupid guys doing stuff in the pool. But knowing what we know now, it take, it has a much more sinister feel to it. Um, another allegation was that when at some point there was the conversation in that group which included Wizard, Crackpron, and some other uh, people to uh, turn to penises. Crackpron mentioned something about his penis size. He was underage at the time. Uh, and then Wizard bet him, according to him, uh, $20 to prove that he was the size he said he was. So they went and looked at... He went in and looked at it and paid him the 20 bucks. So basically paid to uh, look at an underage person's penis. Yep. And that sort of blew the roof off of everything. Um, Obviously, that allegation spread like wildfire on Wednesday night, early or late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning, depending on what time zone you're in. Evo came out with a statement that they were putting uh, Mr. Wizard on uh, leave of absence pending investigation into the allegations. And then over the next 24 hours, there were a bunch of uh, players who, who declared that they were not going to compete at Evo, including Sonic Fox. 
there were a bunch of commentators, including uh, Ultra David, James Chen, Tasty Steve, Sajam, a bunch of others who said that they, they were not going to commentate at Evo because of what was happening. Um, then it got even bigger. At about 7.30 Eastern on Thursday, NetherRealm made a statement saying that they were pulling out of Evo. So Mortal Kombat, one of the four open tournament games, was gone. Um, ten minutes later, Capcom came forward and said, we're not, we're pulling out of Evo as well. So Street Fighter, gone. The big exhibitions. Um, about an hour later, about 8.30 Eastern, uh, Main 6, the developers of Them's Fighting Herds, pulled out and said, we're not going to be a part of Evo. So the game that was supposed to start... the that this past weekend was gone. Um, and the writing was basically on the wall at that point. Uh, at about 9.15 Eastern, Evo came up with a follow, uh, follow-up statement stating that they were relieving Mr. Wizard of his duties within the organization. We have this statement Tony here. can't... Oh, yes. I uh, can pull that out. Just got it. Sorry. All right. Uh, They said on uh, Thursday evening, quote, over the past 24 hours, in response to serious allegations recently made public on Twitter, we have made the first of a series of important decisions regarding the future of our company. Effective immediately, Joey Quayler will no longer be involved with Evo in any capacity. We are working. We are currently working towards his complete separation from the company, and have relieved him of all his responsibilities. Going forward, Tony Cannon will act as CEO. In this position, he will take a leadership role in prioritizing greater accountability across Evo, both internally and at our events. Progress doesn't happen overnight or without the bravery of those who speak up against misconduct and injustice. We are shocked and saddened by these events, but we are listening and committed to making every change that will be necessary in making Evo a better model for the stronger, safer culture that we all seek. As a result, we will be canceling Evo online and will work to issue refunds for all players who chose to purchase a badge. We will still donate the equivalent pro- of the proceeds, as promised, to Project Hope. End quote. There we go. So, uh, yeah. No, it's that's crazy, man. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. It's And this all happened, what was it? It was Thursday night. One day. Yeah, this was. <laughs> one day 24 before. hours. Yeah. 24 hours from when the allegations first surfaced to the entire event going down. For the by the way, impressively, Evo has somehow been canceled twice mm-hmm. in the same year. Yep. So, um, but something else I want to point foot. out: we you were talking about uh, the outside view of uh, of Smash. Uh, I also want to talk about the outside view of Evo regarding all this. Uh, I have a friend who doesn't follow the competitive scene, but knows about Evo, watches Evo every year, uh, and all he saw was that Evo was canceled. And he said, hey, that's great, because coronavirus is a thing. And then when he saw the reason Evo was canceled, that was just... Like, I think that's going to tarnish... Uh, like, much like we were saying with Smash and Nintendo, uh, now the FGC as a whole, especially with Evo, because Smash is under that umbrella, uh, this is a... 
this is one of those things that it's gonna it's gonna very much tarnish uh the outside in view of all of us right uh and i know this is a very selfish thing for me to say where i'm saying hey i'm gonna look bad uh but again i think this is a this is a positive a net positive in the sense that we're getting to clean up our shit and the people who have suffered under either mr wizard or any of the other hundreds of uh allegations and occurrences that people were brave enough to come forward with uh are gonna get at least like to tell their story and hopefully there will be something done about it right uh i think the biggest danger is that all this happens and all of these like much like what we've seen with uh with the black Lives matters uh protests what i don't want to see is a bunch of performative shit happen and then we all go back to normal right uh i think this has to be a very important stepping stone so that we can quote unquote clean up our shit uh so that we can then make this uh as safe as it possibly can be um but yeah man and watching basically like the the biggest fighting game tournament or actually don't they call it uh the <laughs> don't doesn't isn't evo called like the biggest esports tournament in the world or some shit like that either way Watching, it, it's basically. Go ahead, go ahead. It's basically the biggest open bracket in all of esports. Yeah. Uh oh. Yeah, and man, just watching that crumble before our eyes is—it's hard to watch, but it's warranted, right? So, it man, I yeah, I don't really know what to think about it. I mean, I think it's—I think it's the right move, and I very much appreciate. Uh, all the commentators and all the players stepping up in solidarity with uh, all of the allegations and uh, removing themselves uh, for uh, removing themselves from the tournament that way uh, in case nothing was being done about it. Right. Uh, I think that's a I think that's a good show of force. Uh, a lot of people can argue that you could have done something better or whatever, but I think that's the right decision. Uh, and I very much appreciate everybody that did uh, do that. Uh, in solidarity with all of the allegations and everything, um, but man, fuck! Now what? <laughs> that this is going to be a very difficult thing, um, because you know now what for the community? Now what for Evo? Now what for the games? Um, there's just there's so many different questions going forward now. Um, you know, let's talk about the future of Evo right now. Um, there's a this is not going to be fun for them um, going forward. They losing out on Evo itself. N not only is that a financial hit, that's you know you're essentially out of the limelight for a year in term terms of attention. When we're talking about you know not having the big event in Vegas, now you have the association with it, it with you know now now the events associated with pedophilia because mm -hmm. of what happened with Wizard. And if it you know this almost sounds worse, terrible to say, but if this would be a a different story if this had been one of the cannons that got involved. Because Wizard isn't just part of Evo. He has been 
the face of Eva for years. Every time they have the evil reveal show, who's telling you which games are part of the lineup? Wizard. Every time, you know, on stage, who who's there? Wizard. He, if you look at the documents for Triple Perfect, uh, you know, they have one agent on file in California, and that's Wizard. Untangling, the untangling is going to be, it could be very difficult. Um, Not to say, and that doesn't say anything about the brand of Evo, because so many people, even before all of this happened, had been frustrated with Evo because, oh, it's too much of a convention. Oh, it's not a great tournament. It's not a great experience for, you know, if, if you want to do something other than play in tournament. Uh, so there had always been a push from, you know, from some people to make CEO the big event of the year or to make Combo Breaker the big event of the year. Now that push is going into overdrive by those by those people because they don't want the community to be defined by this. You know, so now there's greater expectations on CEO now. Now there's greater expectations on Combo Breaker. If you're a company, do you think, well, maybe we do our big reveals at Combo Breaker or at CEO or at East Coast Throwdown or whatever event, what other, uh, what other event uh, the community decides on? Or do they stick with Evo? Who knows? Uh, so you broke up a little bit at the end, but I think we all still understood what you said. Um, and that's just internet stuff. Uh, I do want to say one thing. Um, and this happened in the chat a little bit earlier, uh, but I'm going to call it out. I, the worst possible thing that can be done at this point is for people coming forward with rumors and baseless accusations and all this other stuff. Uh, and I saw it happen in our chat a little bit earlier. Um, if you're just guessing and you're talking you're saying stuff that you don't really know anything about don't obviously like we're all at a very sensitive point and we don't need any more shit than we already have and right now doing something like that is making things much much worse for everybody so don't do that all right now that that's been said uh yeah so Man, yeah, it's good. I I have no idea what the as if I had any idea what the future looked like already with you know COVID and everything. Now I have no idea what the future of the FGC looks like when we come back from COVID. Uh, and I know a lot of people have been saying, "Oh, Combo Breaker is going to be the new Evo. Oh, CEO is going to be the new Evo." Blah blah blah. I know for a fact one of the responses I saw from Rick is that you know Combo Breaker isn't going to be the new Evo. Combo Breaker is just going to be Combo Breaker, and I think that's the correct response. Uh, and I believe. I believe that's also the case with CEO, although I haven't really seen anything. But I know for I'm pretty sure that Jabali just wants CEO to be CEO. Uh, they all want their tournament to grow. They all want things to get bigger and better. But you know, uh, the if Evo creates a void, uh, which it if it goes away for good, then it certainly will. What's going to happen? Is it going to be a more spread out occurrence like uh, Combo Breaker and CEO 
are going to rise up in numbers and going to be bigger and better? Are other tournaments that take place during that time going to see different things? And and the other thing is, you know, Combo Breaker's taking a big hit this year, as is CEO, because of the COVID cancellations. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be in a very precarious spot anyway. Not to say nothing of the other big events out there, to say nothing about the mid-size events, which I'm perhaps most worried about, uh, because they don't have, you know, three, four, five thousand people knocking at the door to come to go to, you know, Viennality. Yeah. Or something like that. Um it's it it's it's another wrench in the works for the post COVID um FGC landscape, especially when it comes down to tournaments. Yeah. Yeah. It it's it's been a this has been hard to watch. Uh, and granted, I have the privilege of saying this has been hard to watch because there are people that are, you know, that have suffered way longer and have had to deal with this for way longer than I have. And I'm just watching from the outside in. So I think I'm, I do have to say, I'm very privileged to say, to be able to say this has been hard to watch and things like that. Um, with all that said though, it's, man, I know I've seen bits and pieces of, uh, a T.O., organization getting together or not to organization but a bunch of tos are getting together and trying to write out like a code of conduct and all this other stuff to make sure that you know things start moving in the right direction but like many people have said this stuff has been happening outside of tournaments so yeah, man, yeah, I don't know, maybe man. code of maybe codifying some of this will help you know mm-hmm. it will make it easier to you know, call stuff out if there's something saying, hey, you shouldn't call, you, know, you shouldn't do this. I know it sounds stupid to say in terms of, you know, hooking up with minors, you know, committing statutory rape. That I don't think will be, uh, it will obviously be part of the code of conduct, but I don't think that's going, you know, whether it's in there or not is going to change that. It's going to be the smaller things that lead up to people thinking the bigger offenses are not a big deal, you know, in terms of harassment, you know, you're probably going to see a lot of that, a lot of those rules based on not making people feel uncomfortable so that they, that people can come in and expect to not feel uncomfortable when they go to a tournament, Mm -hmm. you know, so it might be a lot of small focus on smaller things as opposed to, Pedophilia is bad. Rape is bad. Don't do it, people. You know, it's... My my biggest question, uh, you know, before all of this, when we talked, when anyone brought up a code of conduct, is buy it. Because there's already people out there who think that the rules are going to come down from a group of people on high, the the FGC Illuminati or the Chosen Ones or a certain group of TOs who are all friends with each other, and it's all going to be rules that benefit their, their scene, their view, their way of thinking, that sort of thing. 
Now, after this, I don't think buy-in is going to be nearly as much of a question. I think people are going to be ready to accept something like this. Um, whatever form that takes, it's going to take some ironing out because we've had so many, you know, if you follow the Smash scene, there has been a uh, code of conduct uh, created, uh, signed off on by a bunch of TOs, and there have been issues with a, the formation of it, and B, the execution of it. Um, it's kind of fallen by the wayside because of everything else that ha- that's happened, but uh, we mentioned Captain Zack earlier. He, he has been banned. You uh, got banned last year for fix, uh, conspiring to fix results, uh, making Ally uh, throw matches because... Um, they were engaged in a relationship when Zach was 16, Ally was 28, I want to say, some mid-late 20s. Did not want that out in the public, uh, so Zach blackmailed them to, uh, to throw some matches to punish him. And both players have been banned, uh, and there's been some pushback on that, and one of the organizations, Fiji Bootcamp, said, we respect the code of conduct, but uh, we're going to unban Captain Zack, uh, making them the first big organization to um, not recognize a co- code of conduct ruling. So there's going to be the question of, okay, is everybody on board? Are, are we going to end up with, like, two different circles, like uh, an FGC circle of events that agree with the code of conduct and an FGC uh, circle of events that don't, a lot of this is going to be very it's going to be very sketchy once things happen from this and it's it might not be I'm hoping it's everybody's on board but it might not go that way Yeah. yeah the other I think I saw this Recent, actually, it wasn't recently. I think I saw this when uh, the when the stories of sexual assault happened uh, or came out after Evo last year, two years ago, where you know the the culture of well, I, I don't even know if it's culture. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Uh, I think okay, I got it. My brain, of course, corrected. Uh, one thing that I saw that I think I kind of agree with, and granted, again, it's not for everybody, but it's an opinion I agreed with, is uh, when somebody was saying, instead of going through after parties at, you know, dark bars where this kind of thing can happen, uh, why not just go back to the salty sweet stuff that we used to do? Uh, granted, that, again, poses all... Each, each opinion or in each different scenario has, its, has the same kind of risk associated with it if the people are shitty so like what the fuck do we do (laughs) like how can how can we as a community make this better is the big question i think i i think i know it's not an answer to this but it reminds me i think we've seen the last of the official after parties uh that are anything other than just additional setups so um the official let's all go to the bar um, we've got some setups in one corner in the bar, and the, that's done. 
I don't think Evo's not going to do that anymore. I don't think. I don't think any major event is going to sign off on that anymore. Um, but so much of this is like I like I was saying with the Smash scene. So much of this is cultural. So much of this comes down to com- the community changing, not so much a rule set. Because you can say harassing people is wrong. You can put a rule in place that says harassing people isn't tolerated. But people are still going to harass because they don't think it's a big deal. Or, you know, what they consider just conversation or just, you know, trying to ask somebody out is harassment to somebody else. There's, it's just going to be a bunt. It's going to come down to people being willing to call each other out to say, Hey, you know, and you don't have to necessarily make it a big public thing. Pull your friend aside and say, Hey, that ain't cool. You know, that's making someone uncomfortable or that's wrong. You know, that's wrong. Yeah. And and just having those conversations amongst your friends, amongst your peers, amongst your colleagues, that's what it's going to take to get rid of this sort of stuff. Because, you know, let's be real. Most of of the people in the FGC that are going to events are early, mid-20s. Sometimes they're older like us. Sometimes they're younger um, like kids. But it's a bunch of people who are, you know, looking to not necessarily, they're they're looking at it as a party. They're looking at at it at an event as a chance to relax. And they're thinking like, hey, we can do whatever, not have to worry about it. We we still got to be vigilant about, you know, making sure we're, we're not letting our friends, our colleagues, our peers do things that could be considered bad. But that's, yeah. that's, I don't think that's anything that you can write into a rule book. Or, or, I mean, you could write it into a rule book, but that itself is not going to change anything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, I think, I think you actually hit the nail on the head where some people go to tournaments because they're super serious about the game and they want to get better. Some people go to tournaments as a vacation. Uh, so they do want to party and they do want to, uh, go to clubs and do all that stuff. Is there a way to appease both crowds that doesn't involve one having to go to, you know, like a like outside of the event for it? Or is this going to have to be one of those things where the people who do want to drink and have fun and do all this other stuff are going to have to find their uh, own place on top of going to a tournament? I think we might see some events that are only going to be 21+. plus or 18 plus in terms of both, you know, the... Does that change anything, though? It doesn't change anything majorly, but it at least on paper gets rid of the opportunity of interacting with minors, which is at least, you know, I don't want to put this in terms of PR because obviously PR isn't nearly as important as what's happening to people. But if you're a Smash tournament and say, "Hey, we're not going to have, you know, we're not going to have that interact those interactions here because everyone here is going to be eighteen 
and up or 21 and up, that take that gets rid of some of the bad thoughts off the top of the head. Whether or not that changes anything within the community is a different story. But I, I do expect to see some of that, you know. I, I think we'll start to see events, that some events go either 18 plus or 21 plus to get rid of the opportunity of adults mixing with kids. Whether or not that changes anything in the community is a different matter. But mm-hmm. I think you'll start seeing those events uh, come to fruition once we get back to regular um regular offline events. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, no, I can agree with that. Uh, would having, so Blue just actually took the thoughts right out of my brain. Uh, would having like junior, uh, junior leagues and what's like senior leagues? I don't know. Uh, what the yeah, I, I don't know the terming, but uh, like, like we were talking about with Nintendo, they do that uh, with their Pokemon events, where if you're up to a certain age, you're in one division. And if you're above that, you're in another division. So if Nintendo were to come in and say, hey, we're running Smash now, um, all, all competitive Smash goes through us, I fully expect them to have a kid's division and an adult's division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that the answer? Then to help, uh, so because at the end of the it's day, it's the easy answer, right? Because at the end of the day, we don't want to alienate people from coming to tournaments, right? And as somebody right. who was sixteen and like traveling and going places, like that would, I feel like that, that I feel like I would just be getting thrown under the bus, and I would feel very, uh, very upset by that decision of just making tournaments eighteen and up, especially because you know my parents could or won't. Or couldn't or won't uh, travel uh, with me. So there, there, there's mm. what's good for the community, what the community needs to do, and there's also what's good for the the people who are funding these events. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a Red Bull, the, and I'm not saying that the people who work at Red Bull are heartless or anything like that. Please don't, please don't take that, take it this way, but. If you're a Red Bull and you're thinking about funding an event after everything that's going on, this is, you know, splitting up into age divisions is an easy way to avoid the stink of all of this. It might not change a single thing about the community. It might not change a single thing about anyone's mindset uh, coming into all of this. But at least, you know, if, if I'm an event runner if I'm funding an event, if I'm putting my money on the line, my reputation on the line to put on a show, at least that means I don't, that's one less thing I have to worry about. That's one less thing that could knock my event down. So, you know, that doesn't look like a bad option from my point of view if, you know, I'm putting five, six figures into throwing an event. And I, I think that makes a lot of sense to a lot of companies. Um, once we get back into offline events. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is keep in mind that solves, well, that may solve one out of the many issues that have come to light recently. So while while it will solve, you know, the interaction with minor stuff, it still won't solve, you know, a lot of the sexual abuse and harassment and assault that has happened. Uh, and that's a whole nother can of worms, man. And, you know, it's... Hmm. 
Man, it's I I to I, me I, it's to me it's simple and it's for people to stop being shitty, but I like I said like I I try to put things in logic where it's like, "Oh, somebody's not giving me consent to do something." Okay, it's over. But I I so I don't understand how somebody would you know, assault someone in that sense. So I don't really know like I don't really know how to how to solve the problem when I can't even like logically th- figure it out in my own brain if that makes sense. Does that make sense? I'm probably just rambling at this point because I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. But it's like to me it's pretty clear cut that that's bad. Right. But when you get into um you know, smaller things, things that aren't necessarily rape, things that aren't necessarily pedophilia. You know, when you talk about harassment, this was a thing that came up with all of the Mike Z stuff. You know, what is conversation to one might be considered harassment to another. Whether that's your intent or not, or whether you're intentionally trying to push boundaries and say, hey, you know, I was just trying to have a conversation. I... I don't know if you can necessarily tell that at first glance, but it's the, the point of it is, you know, it's easy to say, don't be an asshole, but the line of what an asshole is, Mm -hmm. is different for a lot of people. Yeah. And what might just be considered, you know, good fun might be off putting or harassing to someone else. So we do need to, to, do something more than just say, don't be a jerk, don't be an asshole. Yeah. Um, I think James Chen actually said this in the chat. Is education a path that we can take? Like, do we create ways of people to learn about what to do or, like, options in if this happens? Is that like, – I, I, I feel like that's a – I feel like that's a decent – uh, idea. It's sort of. I feel like a big problem is the way things are. Whether that's you know through our actions or our inactions, a lot of people feel uncomfortable when they're put in a situation like this. When they they don't feel like they can turn to anybody. So we have to do a better job as a community of creating ways to. For, for people to safely say, hey, this is a thing that happened. I Can we make can we do something to make sure it doesn't happen again? Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, create, you know, things like we talked about with the with conventions earlier about having a phone number they can text or, you know, someone to say, hey, you know, I need help in this spot. Having those resources available would be would go some ways to addressing these things but to completely eradicate it it's going to be a cultural shift within the community as a whole yeah the the one thing i can think of is uh i think i think i've said this on the show before but uh, i used to work for a small improv comedy theater here in austin and what they had done is they had a community liaison Right, and it's if something happened, whether it was uh, an owner abusing their power, whether it was you getting sexually harassed by someone else, uh, or sexually assaulted, whatever, uh, you would go to this person, 
And this person would then go through the proper channels, right? Like they would contact uh, either law enforcement or they would contact uh, the owners and they would have a discussion about it and try to rectify the issue. Is that a way? Like, should each tournament have a community liaison? So, like, for example, how we have, uh, how we have like, the, the one thing I can remember is uh, Combo Breaker, how they have, like, the, the big info booth where, you know, if you have a problem with the console or anything, you go over there and you're like, hey, I'm having a problem with the console. Cool. Uh, then that gets taken care of. Granted, you can't be, like, I don't think it should be a physical location, but is there maybe like a way we can go about it where we have a community liaison, somebody who can be either there physically at a tournament or uh, monitoring any types of billions of channels so that if anybody has any issues with anything, they can go to them so that they can then be pointed in the right direction or so that person can then do something about it. Man, it, you know, having those resources would be a help. You know, giving people that option would be a help. The problem is, you know, that's a bit more feasible for an event that has a lot of capital, like a combo breaker or an Evo or a CEO, as opposed to, you know, your local or your regional tournament, your monthly. You know, those places don't ne- might not necessarily have the extra bodies or the ability to to have that in the same way. So. I, I don't want to say that's not an answer because that could that I feel would certainly help, but I don't see that being an end all be all, and a, a lot of this is going to come down to which events come back. Mm-hmm. You know, once we do get on, offline events again, yeah. uh, we're, which we're starting to see in Thailand. I don't know if you saw it, but a uh, book on Twitter uh, posted a picture of an offline event in Thailand. Mm-hmm. that they had uh, because COVID cases o- over there are basically the way it was phrased. It made it sound like all of the new cases that country has are people coming in uh, from other places and getting checked, not seeing anything in the country. So they're able to hold those again. Mm-hmm. We in the U S are a little ways from that. Just, just, just little ways. That's a whole nother fucking. That's terrible thing. But, you know, which events come back? Will will they have the resources? Because a lot of them that do come back may have to run on a shoestring budget just to survive. Yeah. Oh, and actually, speaking of, this was, I think this happened last week. And we didn't even talk about it because, you know, all this other shit went down. But Esports Arena Oakland closed down permanently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, sadly, I think it's the first of many. You know, or it's probably not even the first, but it's going to be one of many. Um, big gatherings indoors with a lot of people, those are going to be some of the last things to come back. Um, even in states that are handling this well, um, and especially in states that aren't having such success. Uh, it's going to be a very tough road back from that. On top of having to deal with the fallout from everything that's happened this week. Yeah. <sighs> End of the day, big picture. It's a positive that we're finally getting 
this conversation at the forefront of everything. Uh, yes. It, you know, this hurts now. This absolutely hurts now, but we're going to be a better community once we come out of the other side. As long as we do the things necessary to address these issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that starts with us. You know, yep. If you see something going down, call it out. You know, if, if it's your friend, if it's someone you, you barely know, call it out. Because preventing that little thing from happening now just might prevent a big thing from happening later. Yeah. Yep. Uh, damn. This has been a week. It's been a week. Sp- oh! Us, I think we both just remember the exact it. same thing. <laughs> Go for it. On top of all this, as if this wasn't fucking enough, we got even more awful news. Well, I wouldn't say even more awful news, but equally awful news. Still awful news. Uh, apparently, one of our own, Knuckle Dude, was in a very serious car crash last week. Uh, we got an update from Dual Kevin saying that he is at the hospital. Uh, he is on a very slow road to recovery. He actually tweeted. I'm going to pull up the tweet. Um, he actually tweeted something out. I can out. read it off. Oh, do you have it? Yeah, I have it. Okay. All um, right. Read it. After, well, people were worried because one of the last things he tweeted before word of the accident got out, or actually the last thing he tweeted before word of the accident got out, uh, was him quoting Wreckful, mm-hmm. a prominent Twitch streamer who committed suicide this past week, which, by the way, that happened as well. Yep. Um, uh, Knuckle Dew tweeted, rest in peace, man, signing off now. And then we got word that he had been in a very bad car crash, so a lot of people were were worried. Obviously, the car crash, but um, the history he's had, he's been very open about his bouts with depression. Um, a lot of us, a lot of us, me, me included, were very worried about him. Uh, he tweeted yesterday a picture of someone jumping into a game to show that he's back, that he's doing okay. He followed that up with a tweet that says, quote, I will be putting my controller down now. Furthermore, I will step away from social media in general since I can't offer you guys anything anymore. Life is short and unforgiving. Call loved ones, make amends, go outside, and don't let social media consume you. Take care, end quote. Um, Do, we, we hope everything goes well for you we we hope you recover fully recover quickly um if you wish to stay away you're more than welcome to but please don't think you don't have anything to offer just because you don't play games um you're you you have just by being you you have something to offer that no one else can um and you're important you know yep so um yeah, Just, no, I, yeah, I, sure. sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you, you go ahead, you go ahead. No, I, I just wanted to add, first, I think we all as a collective, this is like one of the brighter sides of the community, I think is we all as a collective, once we heard that he was alive and recovering, like we all breathed a sigh of relief. Um, the, I think the sentiment of I have nothing to offer is, uh, to put it bluntly, incorrect. Uh, and for those of you that don't know, I don't think this was ever like public knowledge or anything, but I worked with you for a very small amount of time. We did a, I edited a couple of vlogs for him. And one of the things I admired the most about Knuckle Dude is the fact that he comes up with an idea and just does it. 
right? He's not like I. I'm the. I'm exactly the opposite. Where with me, if I come up with an idea, like I'll agonize about how I'm gonna do it and worry about it and then not do it. Do he's like, hey, I want to make vlogs. He did it, uh, and he just went out and started doing them. Uh, so I super duper admire uh, do and everything he's done, uh, both for the community. Uh, for his scene, for everything, like he he's such a he's such a pillar to the FGC, where you know he's sponsored players. He he like you know brought I think he brought Mena up here to the US to start competing. I think uh, I could be remembering that wrong, but like he's done so much stuff like that as a as a as a pillar to the community. So I think I can say unequivocally we're all extremely relieved that he's a uh, he's gonna be okay um and i look forward to his returns should he choose to return um and and i think yeah. to tie it into you know what we were talking about earlier do is someone who came up at you know 15 16 like punk did mm-hmm. um we we have these players who, who come into our scene from a young age and so uh, and we always want them to find some form, if if not success in terms of tournament, success in terms of enjoying what they do. You know, if they go zero and two, if they go ten and zero, whatever, they play a game they love, they make friends, they 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 meet new people who who share their interests. That's all we want to see happen. Ultra David said it best, uh, where. When I had said, you know, I just want to come in and play some games, and some people don't get that privilege. So I think it's very important for us to make sure that everybody gets an opportunity to just come to a tournament, play some games, and have fun, and then go home safe and happy. Is there anything else we want to say before we sign off? I know it's we're two minutes early. <laughs> we're halfway through 2020. <sighs> <laughs> Uh. <laughs> we are halfway through 2020. Uh, oh, I do want to say this. Uh, so I know we, we briefly touched on Wreckful, uh and his very, uh, the tragic suicide. Um, but again, like I saw a lot of very cool things come out of that. Like Wreckful was known as a World of Warcraft player. Uh, and I think in, there was, I think I saw a news article where everybody in World of Warcraft went to a specific spot and had a drink in his honor. Like, I think shit like that's like super cool. Um, so seeing like the, the unity that comes from tragedies, uh, is I think, uh, a positive amongst all the other terrible shit that's been happening to everybody this year and in other years. So, Here's to the latter half of 2020 and to hopefully things uh, starting to look better uh, and for the positive change that's coming not only for our small game community but to our country that's going through some shit and to the world in general. Um, Steve, is there anything else we need to say before we sign off? Um, Take care of each other. That's take it. Care of Let's take care of each other. Word. Well, thank you everybody for watching Best of Five. Undoubtedly, like the hardest show I think I've been a part of, but uh, I think a very important show nonetheless. Uh, so I have been Elon. 
my cohort, Steve, Ace King, Offsuit, Jurek. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll catch you next week. Go watch Ultra Chen. Good night, Canada. Thank <laughs> you.